Hello everyone, welcome to the happiest pod on earth. I'm Ariel, a licensed therapist who uses clients' passions and fandoms to help them grow and heal from trauma and mental unwellness. And I'm Steph, I'm an educator who uses passions and fandoms to help my students grow and learn more about themselves and the world around them. And I'm Maria, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and registered play therapist who tries to find Disney and pop culture references in everything for therapy. And here at Happiest Pod, we dissect Disney mediums with a critical lens. Why? Because we are more than just fans. We expect more from the mediums we consume. So what Disney experience are we talking about today, everybody? Well, we do have a special guest. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Maria, do you want to share a little bit about what you do as a play therapist, if no one knows what a play therapist is? Sure, sure. So um, as a registered play therapist through the Association for Play, which is based out in California, um, I incorporate the powers of play. uh, And often what it comes down to is those moments that we don't have the words to articulate what we've gone through, regardless of age. Um, Play allows us to process and share those experiences with someone who's trained to interpret play as communication. That's really interesting because I know, um, and I'm curious for you, I'm an art therapist and we have a very specific way in which we view art that's different than using art therapeutically. So how do you use play as a play therapist versus a therapist who plays with their client? Great question, um, because we don't just play with Uh, our clients. Um, So play therapy is a model that goes on top of and includes uh, your theory of change. Um, So play therapy is a large umbrella, um, but someone might be a narrative play therapist, really focusing on storytelling and the powers of story, um, doing narrative work, but interweaving their use of play techniques. or they could be a solution-focused play therapist or a ecosystemic play therapist, right? So your theory of change will remain. Play therapy is just a model that helps make the interventions more fun. Um, and it removes the requirement to be in our brain and in our vocal space. Um, so often it can be really hard to talk about the hard things. Um, and so having someone trained on the other side of the couch for you who doesn't need you to say the words, but can give you alternate ways to express those things, um, that is, that's play therapy. I love that. In education, play is a big part, but as teachers, it's always like, you have to stop playing now because we have to learn. Um, and it's just like the kid's perspective is always like, when are we allowed to play? When are we going to play? And I think this way, it's kind of flipping the narrative a little bit and saying that, you know, we are learning through our play, but not necessarily saying, you know, play is like a reward or whatever. Like it's a way to express yourself and a way to communicate through play because everybody talks about how body language is so important. That's very important when it comes to play too, because you are then using how you react to certain situations, how you're interacting with other people and how you're doing decision-making as, you know, a kid through play. It's, it's really cool. I really love that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And yeah, play is learning, right? We are learning through play. We have from the very, I mean, when we think about infants, what, what do we do? We play peekaboo, right? We talk and sing songy voices. Um, (laughs) That doesn't need to go away. Uh, And so I'm, I'm excited also to talk about like using play with adults because it's it's very much geared and marketed that play therapy is for children. Um, mm-hmm. But I use it with adults. I do it in couples counseling. Um, it, it's really helpful anytime you don't have the words necessarily or it's too hard to vocalize. 
Well, and um, for any of our listeners who have been listening to our episodes for a while, episode 24, when we talked about Disney villains, we actually mentioned Maria and her um, uh, talking and training on how to use villains and therapy as uh, something that's affirming as opposed to pathologizing. Well, thank you so much. Was that from the tags? That has really been my, yeah, no, that is my niche. Uh, so while I am very much a play therapist and I am very much a Disney fan, uh, uh, my my ten my fandoms tend to be Star Wars, Disney, and Marvel, uh, except for when it comes to villains, and then it's DC. They've got the bad guys done right, um, but yeah, being able to embrace the the power and the authenticity that comes from villains, because typically people who come to my care are not the heroes of their story. Uh, they're usually labeled as the bad guy. Um, and are coming to me for help. Um, mm -hmm. And that help sometimes just turns into, let's embrace this. You know, sometimes it's okay to not go with the flow or to question mm -hmm. what's always been done um, and to do things in a different way. Uh, let's embrace that and um, let's have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I think that's a really unique way um, to engage in, you know, play. Are there other new unique ways that you engage in play in your therapy sessions or that you think of play therapy? Yeah, I well, I would say, again, play therapy is a, a wide variety of things. So uh, here at our center, we do play from everything from expressive arts um, mm -hmm. to sand tray and sand play, right, using miniatures and a sand tray setup. Um, but we also, uh, we have two different Switch and PS setups in our office because we do a lot of video game and play. Um, play can be whatever they're comfortable with. Um, and we just invite that into our therapy room. That is their language, especially more and more these days, right? Mm -hmm. Online gaming has gotten such a bad rap for such a long time. I'm old enough to say, like, you know, when the internet started, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were all told, like, you know, those aren't your real friends. You don't know them, mm -hmm. right? Like, those relationships aren't real. And now mm -hmm. we have the science to say, sorry, mom and dad, you're wrong. Those are mm -hmm. real relationships, and they hold real meaning and power in my life. Um, so, yeah, if, if their favorite way of gaming is something that we can include, then we absolutely want to invite that in because it tells us so much, right? This is where they're mm -hmm. spending their time and energy. I want to know about that. Yeah, totally. Um, I know that uh, speaking of, you know, going back to when the internet started and you know when we were all forming our you know what are we going to do what are back we going to do with our day, lives the internet made sounds <laughs> when you logged on it sure did and you know at that time i'm sure you know we were all thinking of what careers we wanted to be when we grow when we grew up did you always think play therapy or were you just like oh i'm interested in therapists and play kind of came along as it evolved like how did that journey work for you I love that because absolutely not. No. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, up until like my last year in high school, I thought I was going to be a math teacher. I married one oh. instead. Uh, and so, uh, check, check, check. Yeah, I was like, mm. and you, and you incorporate play with the, with the math. With the math, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Math is everywhere. <laughs> so, so can play, right? Play can be everywhere too. Yeah. Um, so then I went to undergrad and I was like, psychology, I'm interested in people. I like helping people. And they were like, it's all research-based. I was like, no, I don't want to do that part. Um, so I ended up getting my master's in marriage and family therapy and thought like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do family work. I'm going to do couples work. I'm going to be able to help, you know, adults be better adults, um, you know, because the trickle down effect, right? In my mind, that's where it was going to go. 
I started private practice um, and the woman who owned the group uh, was like, you are fantastic. You should work with kids. And I was like, mm, no, thank you. No, thanks. No, I like I like like the moody teen girls and like adults. Um, <laughs> and she was like, no, no, no. You need to come to a couple play tra trainings with me. And if you really don't like it, then fine. I'll leave it alone. Um, that turned into being all in on play. I've served on my like local state board as the president mm -hmm. and uh, past president for play therapy. Uh, I am now a provider for Association for Play Therapy trainings. Uh, so I'm like, I'm all in. Um, but that was not my ideal job when I was like, but now I get to say I play for like my job. My job is to talk about villains and Disney and Marvel and help people heal. I couldn't have even imagined a job like this existing back before dial-up was like old school. I think that's amazing. And I think that's just the evolution of education now. And, you know, knowing that you could start off wanting one thing, but as life, you know, grows us and gives us new opportunities, all it takes is that one person to say, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. And that opens up so many doors. And I love to tell, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers, just because you say you want to do one thing or just because you said you wanted to be something when you're younger doesn't mean that you can, you know, not either not achieve it or that's not what you're going to, you know, go to. But other things will happen in your life. So I think you are a great example of that. Yes, it can be really fear inducing to like change your mind, especially when it comes to like a career path or a decision of like sustainability in your life. It feels unsustainable to to go off the track that you thought was meant for you. Um, and it sounds like for you, it was really rewarding to have somebody say, well, just experiment, just give give a little try. <laughs> Like, no, there's no lifelong commitment to it, right? Like, take a couple trainings and see if it lands. And some of the early ones did not land. And I was like, no, this is crazy talk. Like, this is not for me. <laughs> um, and then, you know, being able to learn, like, really the basis and the, the foundations for play and then weave my own piece to it, right? Like, that's what we do. We take those foundations and then we make them personal to us because that's that's where the magic is right if i don't believe it if it's not coming from my heart the work that i'm doing is not going to be meaningful and helpful to anybody else absolutely um, but it can also be really scary because the world is changing so fast does everyone want to see a therapist who talks about villains no i'm not everyone's cup of tea that's okay um but it's taken me a long time in my career to be like it's okay that i'm not the right person mm -hmm. um because especially in those heat helping fields we are so primed to be like help everybody you need to help everybody be so thankful that everyone that shows up is there to see you and it's like I mean, I can be thankful, but if I'm not the right person, this isn't going to work. And then if you are the right person and you want to come in and you want to talk about Iron Man having panic attacks and how that is so mm -hmm. applicable to how you are experiencing panic attacks, I'm the girl for that. So I'm, I'm hearing also um, part of uh, the way that you engage in your work is I'm hearing some authenticity. Um, and the other thing that I'm hearing is that that acceptance of the client, even if they're not your client, right? There, there isn't a projecting onto them this expectation. And so this makes me want to ask, does this mean you're more of a non-directive play therapist? And do, can you explain for the audience what the difference between a directive and non-directive one is? Yeah, so play therapy kind of falls in two camps, depending on your theory. 
Uh, non-directive is child-centered or person-centered. So if you think of Rogerian therapy, right? Like the, ther the client gets to lead the session and the therapist bears witness, um, but doesn't really question or direct the therapy in any way. Then directive would be where they come in and like, hey, we're gonna do this thing together today. I am leading the session mm -hmm. uh, based on our goals, based on your interests, based on where we're headed. I have worked on what we're gonna do in between and I'm going to tell you, we're gonna spend some of our time doing this. I do both. <laughs> okay, okay, I <laughs> um, Because I think there, especially when it's new, uh, whether it's play therapy is new to them or just therapy in general is new, it can be really mm. scary to be like, mm -hmm. here, here's my giant playroom. You can do whatever you want to do in these rooms. Mm -hmm. And I'll just have people go, um, it just freeze, right? And like, uh, this is too much. Yeah. This is too much. So yeah. we'll do some initial like information gathering, right? First couple of sessions is really kind of set and scripted of like, I need to gather all this information. I want to get to know you. Um, and then in the, in the meat of it, it can be, you know, I had an idea for today, but did you have an idea for today? Okay. Because I'm going to defer to where you are because you've lived your life in the last week since I've seen you. So my mm -hmm. idea of where we need to start may not match. Yeah. Right. But if it does, cool. I've got this path that we can try out and you can tell me if you like it and if it's fitting or you tell me what you would like to do today. I know for me, I'm also both um, in the way that I, I my theories are and the way that I practice is that um, because I have cognitive behavioral therapy as a theory because insurance will cover it. There is a lot of direction, lots of worksheets, lots of homework. So that that is me directing. Um, and then uh, in our uh, sessions as a narrative therapist, that's where my client is more directing because they're crafting their story, not me. Um, stuff for you because you're an educator how directive do you have to be with the way that you are running programs or is there room for like your students to just kind of uh, run amok <laughs> teachers run on schedules and agendas and things like that I think it's more sectioned out a little bit differently um, I wish I could dedicate one day to be like hey you know you guys are leading today and that would be called um holding centers for the kids. So you'd be like, these are math centers. So, you know, I have these games for you to play. We're going to rotate so-and-so. We're going to do reading centers and literacy centers. So you guys will be, you know, reading this one chapter of books. You guys will be writing about that. So it comes in different forms. And as you guys were talking, I'm like, oh, we do the same thing. It's just called something different. Yeah. Holding centers. That's beautiful. Holding centers. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of just because it's us and, you know, our ratios are very different from therapy. It's one to like 20 or 27, depending on the school system that you work for. Um, so I think as teachers, you know, and educators, you have to be creative about how you hold your spaces because the ratios are just so massive, you know. Um, and when you do hold spaces for one on one, that happens during the larger group doing something else. And then you would be like, OK, we're going to be doing a reading, you know, test today or we're going to be like assessing you in this certain way. Um so yeah, it comes in different ways, but very similar to what you guys do. Just not exactly. <laughs> same, same, but different. No, I, I love that. I love that sharing of language because now I yeah. have I have something that I can ask you more about. That's, <laughs> that I, I like that 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 terminology. 
Um, yeah. Because we're saying like person-centered. That's one person. <laughs> this sounds very student-centered still. To talk about um, systems, right? Like that's all the yeah. people in whatever system, mm-hmm. uh, depending mm-hmm. on if you're going really micro or macro. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, and LMFTs and LCSWs are very systemic thinking, right? Like, yeah, who is involved know, in this child's life? We want to know all the goods and who yeah, has yeah. access to this kiddo. Um, but it is that shared language, right? Like just as we're experiencing this, this is what play can do. If I can learn the language mm-hmm. of their play, mm-hmm. I've cracked the code and they don't have to decipher it for me. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting that you said that because I was just thinking that you know, when you see your clients, you're trying to figure things out, right? You're trying to see, you know, what systems in their life are, you know, making these outcomes happen. For us, it happens already in front of us. And we have to like, go the other way and figure it out. So if I see, you know, little Sally outside, just hitting every kid that she can possibly hit. And <laughs> whack, whack, like, whack. Yeah, so there's the behavior. So now that tells me X, Y, and Z. And now I have to backtrack and figure that out to where as you guys kind of already might have known the behavior behavior and are now trying to, you know, make those certain connections. So it's, it's very interesting, different perspectives. And yeah, it's really cool. So what I'm hearing is therapists and educators are engineers. Yes. <laughs> do it all. Yes. And uh, we need our flowers. <laughs> yeah. in, in, you know, the version of cash. <laughs> Not any of flowers. Oh, yes. I didn't know we were going there for this podcast. Yes, please. Uh, we can yes. go there. We can go there. But um... anyway, as this is a Disney, you know, podcast and, you know, you are a big fan of Disney, just like how we are. How did you feel when you were like, oh my gosh, I can use what I love in my job? Was that just kind of like a mind-blowing moment for you where you were like, I can make this connection and it makes sense and I don't have to like stretch for it? Yes. Uh, So I'll tell you, there was a couple of moments. There was one that I was like, I already, this is not a real word, I already therapize everything I watch (laughs) and consume, right? Like this is just a natural (laughs) setting in my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, much to the dismay of my family. We always have to do things twice. Once for the family to enjoy it, and then once so that mommy can, like, therapize the crap out yes. of it. Right. Yes. You're that, are you that meme where it was like, that That uh, fictional therapist is doing yes. something unethical? <laughs> yeah, I have a whole training on fictitious therapists and now the damage that they're doing. Uh, absolutely. That's um, another episode that we would like to have, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was like, well, I kind of, with kids, it's easy. It's an easy step, right? Because they're into like Spider-Man or the Avengers or Ninja Turtles. Um, So it's easy for me to kind of like weave the storytelling in for kids because they're already talking about that. And instead of me going, we're not talking about Paw Patrol today. We're going to talk about your feelings. Um, We can talk about feelings using Paw Patrol so that they're still Mm -hmm. interested and engaged and they get the connection, right? So that was one moment of like, oh, I I can do this. Uh, and then I had a couple of um, identified, self-identified geek adult clients that I was seeing, and I was like, "Let's try, let's try this," and that went well. And then one other moment was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna put out a training on like the villain stuff, right?" Because mm-hmm. if you're in the world of of kind of geek therapy, pop culture, and superheroes. Sophia Ansari is like my goddess and I go to her for all things uh, superheroes and pop culture. Um, Did my own kind of like version of that and then really was like, oh, people like this. I wonder, I wonder if I could get them to like, like villains, like I like villains. And it's not gonna land for everybody and I get that and that's okay. 
But what if, what if like two therapists heard me talk about using villains and were like, ooh, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. And I've been now doing villain talks for probably two years. Uh, and it's just mad. I, like, I seriously, I pinch myself and I'm like, I get to spend today talking about villains and making lightsabers <laughs> with people. Like, this is my job and I love it. Calling back to the, the earlier conversation, there's another path that you didn't expect you would take, which is training and then training specifically on a topic and a subject that excites you and training on what I think before your trainings was seen as taboo. Like if a child or an adult loves a villain, that gets pathologized or seen as like, oh, they're manifesting this like dark part of themselves. Um, and you really turned the light on, on the fact that that automatic assumption or automatic belief was not only not helpful, it was not client-centered, um, it, it was really looking at it through this like very narrow lens, like the satanic panic back in the days, right? Like the um and you found more nuance in the subject matter yeah yeah i think it's still one of my first three slides is like liking a villain is not pathologizing and it's not a diagnosis um you know and you know marvel doesn't know but like they've come and backed me up and when we had a whole loki series mm-hmm. right like all based around because and it's mm-hmm. not because i'm the only person who finds villains interesting disney would not just do that for me there had to be enough of an interest and I think that there really is a really, you know, these are stories that are being told and consumed because they're interesting mm-hmm. and they're interesting because they speak to us. Yeah. You know, and so being able to just encourage people to like lean in and learn more instead of being scared and hold these, you know, misbeliefs or these old ideologies that, you know, villains are the bad guys. And it's like, well, it's all about perspective. And it's really, you know, focusing on a person as a whole, right? Instead of putting them as like, you know, a binary system zero or one, like, you know, you're either good or bad. Like that in itself is so harmful. And I think, you know, Loki has a great example because I loved that series up in, oh my gosh, it's like my favorite. I could talk about it all day. And again, if uh, any of you are just new to our podcast or have been listening in, uh, episode 14, we had another clinician, Rachel who talked about um, trauma adoption and the experience of being an adoptee and a foster care system. And that was leaning into Loki's journey. Um, So if you want to see that with a new perspective, check out that episode. And now knowing that the series is pretty much, you know, come full circle and he's, you know, finished his arc, I think looking back at that and those conversations that we had about, you know, his origin and what he's gone through is really important to see villains, not just as the bad guys and that there are people who have their own experiences and the decisions that they make. It, it just contributes to the whole story as a whole human or a whole superhuman, I guess, a demigod in this sense, but still a person who feels, who goes through things, who has struggles and is trying to just figure themselves out just like everybody else. It's really easy to, to kind of view it as when someone comes in for help, right, they have one version of their story. Mm-hmm. And people have been putting assumptions and views on them without having the rest of the information. Mm-hmm. As therapists, mm-hmm. we get to sit back and go, okay, tell me the rest of the information, mm-hmm. right? And we know that this is important, right? Like movies like Maleficent and Cruella, right? Like those are villain origin stories. It's the mm-hmm. why to why they were behaving that way later on in the storyline or later on in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All behavior have an explanation. Mm-hmm. being able to embrace the villain side goes tell me tell me why 
this is serving you because it's serving you in some way rather than being like, stop. And and talking from that systemic lens and thinking of those villains, it's the examples of the lack of intervention through pivotal moments, right? Whereas like we are an example of interventionalists, interventionalists in an individual's life. Um, if you have an educator that's caring, if you have a counselor that's caring, if you have a therapist that's caring, all of these opportunities that can help someone gain essentially growth and understanding or if they've experienced trauma post-traumatic growth and in the cases with some of our villains they have they didn't have people intervening they didn't have the the support network or the the caring helper yeah well and so many of them you know the other thing we can talk about is like those redemption arcs or those shifts right the you've been the villain in the story for so long do you want to keep going or do you want to share with others the reasoning behind and no longer have that lens Right. And, you know, I always bring up civil war as an example, the the MCU civil war, because those were two groups of heroes battling, mm-hmm. you know, so how do you pick a villainous side? And it's like, well, it was it was really about perspective and what was important. Do either mm-hmm. of them felt like they were the bad guy? No, we had two groups of superheroes battling mm-hmm. it out. And, and it definitely makes me think of like um, with Moana, how we had Taka and we tur- turned out she was Tafiti, right, this whole time. And even though the story wasn't primarily about her, the redemption was this like villainizing of this deity uh, and stealing and taking and pillaging, like what ends up happening um, and what needs to be created to have repair. Um, and I can't think of many stories that, at least Disney narratives, that have um, a like big baddie not end as a big baddie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to an extent, like even in Frozen, they villainized Elsa. And she was not the villain. She is very much the main character. (laughs) But they were so threatened by her and her power that that became the villain. And I think that's what one of the early times that people are like, okay, the narratives shifted a little bit. And we're not seeing, you know, just like a monster that they have to defeat. It's really, you know, the perspective again. Yeah, no, I love that. And like Moana can easily be used as, you know, an example of an interventionist, right? She just needed someone to see her for who she was and be able to go, we, we can fix that. We can heal that part of you so that you're no longer raging and destroying, but that can't happen until they're seen, right? Yes. Until Moana was able to look, you know, her in her rage form and say, oh, I see you. I see mm-hmm. you and I'm not scared. Yeah. I want to note on something that I think, um, I think for you, there's some intentionality and I'm making a big assumption, <laughs> make a big assumption, but from seeing on the outside and now that I have you trapped in my podcast, I can ask. Um, I I think you, you title things intentionally because I think of both your counseling center and I think now of the CE program that's coming up that I even signed up for. So could you tell me what this, this titling that you do and what comes into that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a little tongue in cheek. So my parents would probably tell you that while I was a very bright and very social child. Um, I also had a love for the sarcasm. Um, That didn't go away with age. I think I just got like more rooted and permanent with age. Um, So when we bought the group practice, it was named after the previous owner. And I was like, we need a new name. I don't want my name because my name is long and convoluted depending on which system I'm in. Um, And so I actually sat with my husband and I was like, I want something that's like 
nerdy for those that get it get it but it's also like if you didn't know it was just a counseling name like that would also if you know you know <laughs> if you know you know yep 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 and so we played around and like i'm also a very very big fan of firefly but serenity counseling is like overly saturated in the market and i was like i didn't want that uh and so he was like what about a new hope and i was like <laughs> Oh, done, 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 <laughs> done. Let me find the registration name. The domain name is mine now. Uh, yes, yes. Let's play with that. Um, you know, and, and paying homage, but not stealing because it's mm-hmm. not my information. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you look on our website, there's lots of love to all things fandom um, from our, our blogs to, you know, some of our logo work. Uh, to even like our headshot pictures, if you go through and pick out a therapist, they'll have their fandoms like displayed in their photo with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really fun headshots with my lightsaber, my dual bladed Darth Ray <laughs> lightsaber. Um, and then, yeah. And then, so my next thing was like, I wonder if I could get away with doing some learning and training and some playing at Disney. How do I make these two <laughs> things work legitimately? And also because I would like to go to Disney with a bunch of other like nerdy therapists and like just have fun. Ah, and for our, our Soul Cal uh, audience, she does mean Disneyland, not Disney World. So there's a big divide between um, the Disney's. So this is the Disneyland, not the Disney World. Um, within the community, it's, it's drama. It's drama yeah. everywhere. <laughs> Love to both. Love to both. Right. Love to both. Disneyland was just an easier navigation for this first time out of like, how do you do parks and learning and not like run people ragged or lose them to the parks? Uh, Because I, you know. You have to take a boat into your park. Yeah, I get it. You will lose them. It is a world. I cannot have a conference happening at Disney and go, but you cannot go to the parks. You must stay here and listen to me talk. I mean, like, like, that's just crazy talk. So. Yeah, so this uh, play therapy to infinity and beyond conference happening at Disneyland is my attempt to blend the play and the learning through play with the lecture that is required by all of our licensing boards. Mm -hmm. Um, Pre-COVID, going to conferences used to be super fun. Like, I remember just having so much fun while learning and getting to network and connect with people and feeling mm-hmm. that energy in the room. And it, I haven't been to anything like that since COVID happened. So even returning yeah. to in-person, it's just like we're trying to pack in so much in the short mm-hmm. amount of time mm-hmm. um, that I was like, I want dedicated time to play in the parks. Like, go play. If you're a rope dropper, awesome. If you're there for the night scene, cool. Go, go play, do one little piece of learning while you're in there that we'll use the next day during lecture. But one, you can't go to Disney and not play. Like that just seems super silly. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, learning should be fun. Yes. Learning mm-hmm. should be fun. Yes, it's required for our licensing boards and yes, it's required for professional development and the better of what we're doing with our brains. Mm-hmm. But I want to have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw this together and put it out there and see if there's anybody else who wants to like claim a Disney conference for work. 
uh, and come and have fun with me. That is the best. <laughs> and how many attendees do you have signed up right now? We have 30. We've got a nice group of 30 people coming. That's amazing. I mean, the first time Ariel told me about this, I was like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're saying that <laughs> I work with children and in order for me to be successful in that. I should also be a child for a day. <laughs> that makes too much sense. Um, I wish more education <laughs> conferences happened at Disneyland. Um, just putting it out there for anybody who's listening that's in charge of these things, but the therapists are doing it right. So we should take notes. We are doing some play in, in the park. Um, one of the uh, things that we were curious, because um, I don't think you've been to Disneyland since it's been, re since it's been renovated, correct? I was there in March of last okay. year. Yeah. So, I, but I don't think Toontown would have been renovated. Yeah, anymore. I was there just uh, like right after opening weekend. So I get did get awesome. to visit Toontown and do the rail, runaway rail car. Runaway. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. okay. So uh, what are your thoughts specifically? Because I, I, and I want Steph to share because she has littles. Toontown is more expansive now. I think it is very catered towards um, uh, getting your wiggles out. So for you, is there a thought of that in for the conference or consideration? And then Steph, I'm curious for you, how has it been for you with the kids and having that more expansive space? Yeah, I mean, for me, having littles at the park, I was like, oh my gosh, if I need my little one to run around, where do they do that? And I was trying to find specific pockets in the park to have them just run loose. And I found this like little indent where I think the characters come out in Cars Land, <laughs> where I could just corral my child and let him run around. But it was so small. It was literally an employee entrance. And I was like, this is safe. This is not, you know, anything where I'm going to lose them. They can go one way or the other. I have like full vision of them. And I was like, why don't we have more of these spaces? And I think that was right as Toontown was getting re um, renovated. And then they opened it up and I was like, oh my gosh, a play area. <laughs> why didn't they have this before? That's what was missing, an actual playground. Because, you know, we go to the parks, we, you know, go to a playground, they have a play structure, all that stuff. Disneyland didn't quite have something like that. Toontown was just very much like the other lands where, you know, they have the open space for you to walk through, park your stroller, but you go into whatever attraction you're going to. But knowing that attraction is probably full, has a wait list, you have to be on Disney, you know, Genie Plus, all that stuff. It's just not ideal to just have your kid run around so I was very happy with the expansion because I remember being a kid when Toontown first opened they did have those play places but they weren't really too friendly for like the little littles which I had I have a th one and a three-year-old so definitely need to get their wiggles out so that we can get on the rides <laughs> later on I love that yeah I think you know Disney is great at doing like their immersive experience right so mm -hmm. Galaxy's Edge for me was one of the first times that I was like we are not in California anymore. Like this is, yeah. this is it, right? Um, and they do they do that wonderfully, but they they've done that so much catered towards adults, right? Mm -hmm. I think Toontown now is really what what that is, but for children, where where it started, right? Like Disney mm -hmm. was was meant for children. There, mm -hmm. you know, there's no shame in being a Disney adult, but like originally, it was it was a place for families to bring their kids to play. Uh -huh. um, but it was that very became very quickly became like stand in this line, do this ride, yeah. stand in this line, do this ride. Uh -huh. um, but things with like Galaxy's Edge, event, you know, Avengers Campus and now Toontown, I think it's more of like really immersive. You can play while not being in line, while being mm -hmm. in line, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I even think about like the long lines for for like the 
Indiana Jones, right? Like it's interactive in pieces. Um, but this, I think, was really helpful for them to go, what do the little ones need, right? Because mm-hmm. we've, we've got mm-hmm. the Disney adults on hook. They're the ones footing the bill to come. But like, how do we, how do we let these little ones whose attention spans are much smaller mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. really enjoy being here? Because we mm-hmm. want them to come back. And I think that was their answer to that. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking that these Imagineers are now our age, have kids of their own, and was like, something's missing here because I am too stressed out to be at the parks. If you think about like, you know, taking a little one from like one ride line to another ride line to another, like you don't get to like enjoy, whereas you can walk around Galaxy's Edge and just like enjoy the ambiance and the walkthroughs and um so being able to see that expand, you know, and they've got Avengers Campus now, right, where you can do similar things. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of like the conference, I mean, one of my hopes and directives is like getting them to go to Toontown as an adult and play in that giant, you know, play structure and take some pictures of them trying to lift the weights or break out of the the, the window bars. Um, yeah. Because it, it can still be easy to be an adult at Disney, and the mm-hmm. whole point of this is like we're gonna go back and like capture our 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 child heart yes. and let that play at Disney because yes, you can be an adult at Disney and do all of the adult things and have a great time. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that they tap into like their child's heart and go look at this for the first time and just mm-hmm. experience the wonder and play and like what is that doing for you? Mm-hmm. And that vulnerability too to just have fun. I think my favorite thing is when I'm at Toontown and they have that slide where it's a bunch of little rolly pens or like like rolly things. Every adult that I've seen that goes on there goes into it with such glee and then they come out of it like my back <laughs> my butt oh my god every and then some people go ahead and do it for a second time and it's really hilarious because you you let that go you you actually give yourself space to enjoy and you know be at Disneyland to play well and play can look so different right so mm-hmm. I mean my my friends listening to this now will go Maria is the one who's like here's our agenda I've got our lightning lanes I've got our genie plus like I am but that is my playful side like I <laughs> I will do that and that brings me joy and then I will drop everything when Maleficent walks by or Kylo Ren and like I am all in um, <laughs> and so maybe your play is thrill seeking and you're mm-hmm. trying to get all of those lightning lanes and you know mm-hmm. doing guardians and doing mm-hmm. Incredicoaster maybe your play is just being aware of your surroundings mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. realizing and enjoying the fact that you're not answering emails you're not in your office mm-hmm. you're able to watch other people right like who's who's not a people watcher at disney you're able to watch <laughs> other families you know have fun and maybe that connects to something that you're trying to heal still or that you've forgotten yes. um yeah, so I love, you know, Disney, there's so many ways to play at Disney, not just mm-hmm. the rides, um, that I love that they're kind of expanding that with Toontown. And I hope, I hope it continues in that way. I mean, you were just mentioning different ways to play. What's your favorite way to play at Disneyland? Like, what's your thing? Uh, I'm very much a rides thrill seeker. I love the Guardians, okay. love the Incredicoaster. Okay. Um when I'm not at Disney, I'm still like dr- Disney Dreamlight Valley on my stage. <laughs> okay. um, I am the one who is like doing cosplay or Disney bounding mm-hmm. with my mm-hmm. ears unabashedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've really gotten comfortable and like play is important and it's okay if I look silly doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I would say probably 
those those thrill seekers and then like grabbing those lightning lanes and genie plus things like i get such a like little giggle and i'm like oh we got it Uh, like um, uh, a lottery win. <laughs> it is It is a game, sometimes a cruel game, because you're like, Ugh, the schedule just didn't go in my favor. But <laughs> but if you, it is such a delight when you get all the ones that you want, because you're just like, dang, what a win. <laughs> Steph, what's your favorite way to play at the park? I mean, different phases of my life, right? Like I've been going to Disneyland like regularly since I was probably, you know, a a little one I was yeah true blue Angelino um I mean Toontown when it was just opened I remember going there and it looking wildly different so um when it was much more affordable of course you know just to play at the parks just have that time with my family that's not in you know the house and just me being a kid but I think you know as a, a teenager I went a lot with my now husband and we experienced different ways to play at the park one day we would just people watch one day we just spent on main street just like going into the little shops and like looking at all the little details because you could just do that and not have like a ride heavy day um being a foodie at the parks that's definitely my thing trying all the new things because now they've they've heard us because we spend the money for all of the things <laughs> so definitely being a foodie dressing up at the parks that's one of my favorite um i think now in the season of having children i think it's just you know giving them opportunities with my expansive knowledge that is a learning curve in itself because you know you want to do all these things but the limitations be like you know what I could just focus on one thing we could just focus on it's a small world and just have them write it over and over and over again so that they have that wonder and that's okay and that was something that I had to learn for myself that I don't have to do a full you know rope drop to park close (laughs) do both parks at the same time we could just focus on one area and just let them explore that and I think that's rediscovering Disney as you know not just an adult but a parent too is definitely you know a way to play as well it's like it's a game Steph is the one who got me to start going to Disney uh, fairly regularly because before then the only time I had gone was like twice when I was a kid um and uh as military brat it was because I was not even uh in this continent (laughs) I was not here um so uh, my favorite way, because it's uh, from the perspective, I think, of like an a, adult is I um, I either try to get my money's worth, which, you know, I've, I've learned like you've already spent the money. There's no way to get your money's worth. But uh, psychologically, I feel like there is <laughs> so try, try to pack things up or it's food oriented. It is so much food oriented now that I've like gotten into niche Disney uh, fandom communities where they like mix different foods from different carts and it's like I want to get the bread from Maurice's and like fill it with the the meat from this cart and like make my own sandwich like it is now the yeah I think it's food related and then seeing how I can individualize the experience as as if no one else has done it before even though I learned it from a TikTok I love that. And, and, you know, finding like the hidden gems, like, um, you know, I, we went to the beast library for the first time this, this past March and we had been like four times in the last four years, but that was the first time I was like, 
go to not I'm not just chasing down the rides like I want the experiences too um so doing like crush talk and then the library mm -hmm. are super fun but Ariel you must be delighted that the conference is happening during food and wine fest I'm, I'm so excited I will be getting the the sipper pass now as some of the audience members who've listened know I'm allergic to alcohol so I will just be doing the food part but if my partner is able to come uh one of the days uh I'll probably get both and he can try the wine and I'll try the food <laughs> If not, I mean, I can volunteer as tribute and just drink all your things. It's not like I'm pregnant anyway. <laughs> um, speaking of the conference, so our audience members uh, are aware. Um, again, it is uh, the Play Therapy to Infinity and Beyond, and it is taking place at Disneyland from March 5th through the 10th, 2024. So if you're listening to this another year, you missed it. Sorry. <laughs> uh, it includes an immersive journey to play therapy, training on innovative techniques and tools, uh, and includes virtual reality and digital play. And the conference is designed with just a wide range of therapists. So they're going to focus on positive psychology, on tools uh, for telehealth, and of course, include cultural considerations and family play uh, and uh, there will be days that occur in the park as well as um, convention days at the Disneyland Hotel. It's going to be so fun and if you are listening to this and it's past our March date um, just know we are looking at 2026 um, for another one. Yeah. Okay. Love that. Yeah. We are planning ahead y'all. <laughs> but if this is before March um, you can sign up at I New Hope tc.org forward slash play at Disneyland. So one more time, a new hope tc.org forward slash play at Disneyland. This was wonderful. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Absolutely. And we will definitely be tapping you on future podcasts because I feel like we have so much more to talk about. <laughs> Where can our audience follow and find you? Yeah, so um, our website is a newhopetc.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram at a new hope TC. Okay, beautiful. And as always, you can follow Happiest Pod on uh, Instagram and um, I still call it Twitter, but apparently it's X and it is um, Happiest Pod GT. Again, Happiest Pod GT. Uh, and you can go to the geektherapy.org to follow um, all of our episodes and blog posts. And I encourage in the spirit of play, everybody try to find their way to play this week, wherever you are. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.